Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Start looking at yourself in the mirror in the mornings. Start looking at yourself in the mirror and saying positive things to yourself, including words like, I love you. It's amazing. It will transform your life to just look yourself in the eyes each morning and say, I love you to you. It can be really uncomfortable to start with that though. So maybe just start with looking yourself in the eyes and then say things like, you're a rock star or you have beautiful eyes today, or you're doing it. Whatever words feel comfortable, but looking yourself in the eyes and your brain hearing your words is far more powerful of a tool than almost anything you could buy or any program you could do for self-love. Welcome back. I hope your week has been just awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with Wade Galt of the Three Day Weekend Club and with Kat Stancic, the lead boss, then do check them out after you've listened to today's conversation, of course. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Arliss Dudley Cash of Solutions by Arliss. Yes, it's Solutions. Winner of the Best Presentation Award by the International Women's Leadership and Empowerment Conference, Business and Body Positivity Coach, Arliss Dudley Cash is an inspirational speaker and self-love movement leader. With a background in business, in neuroscience, and in forensics, her career expands over several industries, including operations management, research scientist, and death investigation. Interesting. Arliss unites this eclectic background with her personal journey to overcome the odds and survive a terminal diagnosis, and we'll learn about that today. Her award-winning presentations include topics on extreme self-love and body positivity. She's passionate about helping her clients to become powerful, joyful, and authentic business owners experiencing freedom, having a lot more fun in their business, and each of us becoming the loves of our lives. In our discussion today, Alice talked to me about the impact that our thoughts have on our health and well-being. She explained how to practice self-love and elevate our self-esteem. And she explained how important it was to start any feedback or review with what worked well first and celebrating that. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Arliss Dudley Cash. 
Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Waimea in Hawaii, Arliss Dudley-Cash from Solutions by Arliss. I have to be careful that I include the U in that name. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Arliss. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Diana Gramillion, who was our guest on episode 432 of the Innova Buzz podcast, introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So a big hello to Diana. Absolutely. She's one of my favorite people, and I'm so grateful for the partnership that she and I have um, created over the last year in our own podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. What's the name of your podcast? I haven't noted it down here. It's the Body Positivity Podcast. Right. Okay. So we'll make sure that's included in the show notes as well. Now, your primary work is with startup businesses and entrepreneurs where you help them create a strong foundation to support their long-term growth. But you don't just focus on business. You also include the personal growth as well. So I'm really keen to explore that in some more detail. And I know there's a, a story behind that. So before we get on to that. What's the impact you're making in the world today, Alice? Well, I consider myself a self-love movement leader. And I'm sure that that's strange for some of the listeners to hear, given that I'm a business coach. Uh, But based on the research that has been done in neuroscience, self-love is really the pathway to success in business and in personal life. Mm, Yeah. Love the self-love movement. Yeah. So what? why is it so important to in business, if you like? Because, um, I mean, it's we, I guess we tend to beat up on ourselves more than anything else. So our harshest critics are ourselves. And we sometimes forget to celebrate our successes or, or the strengths that we have, or maybe even not even appreciate those. Why is that? self-love so important in business that you you work on that so much in the brain there's a pathway that's called the frontal striatal pathway and this pathway has been shown to code for almost exclusively self-esteem and self-love and this pathway in the brain is one of the strongest pathways to get to the areas that code for motivation reward and decision making So I'm sure that all the business owners out there know that decision-making and motivation is key to success in business. And so when we're not using the self-love pathway, we're kind of short-circuiting ourselves. And when we choose to use negative motivation or shaming and blaming like you were talking about, we're like cutting ourselves off at the knees almost as far as being able to reach the success that we have the potential to reach. And what is most exciting is that this pathway can actually be strengthened and made stronger and thicker and more active by practices of self-love and self-care. Hmm. Yeah, and I know from my limited knowledge, I mean, I'm talking with somebody here that has a, a higher degree in neuroscience, but I know from my limited experience or reading of neuroscience that um, those um, practices to develop those pathways are very powerful indeed. Absolutely. And 
one example that I can give to the listeners to just see how negative motivation doesn't work is, you know, think of one area of your business where maybe you criticize yourself in and try to think back to the first time you criticized yourself in that area and write down that date. And then look how long it's been that you've been criticizing yourself in that area. If criticism worked, it would have been fixed by now, right? And there would be nothing to criticize. So I would challenge the listeners to, once they've done that process, to try to love themselves or love that area and be supportive of themselves making that change and see how fast it resolves. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. I, I was going to ask you, I know you know, you, you're, you've been a student of neuroscience for a long time. You've got a higher degree in neuroscience. What was your journey to embracing this fully? Because, you know, on the one hand, you were studying that and obviously you're passionate about that because to study a higher degree, um, there's a fair amount of perseverance involved in that and that requires a passion for the subject. But in some ways, the study is one thing, but having an experience that actually brings you to, you know, say, I'm now a leader in self-love. Tell us about that experience. Absolutely. I love this question. When I was 28 years old, I uh, was in the third year of studying neuroscience um, in a graduate program. And I was a master at shaming and blaming and negatively motivating myself to success or what I thought was success at that time. Um, I overworked myself regularly and I had a lot of pride around that. Um, and, and I mean, I say it funny now because I look back mm. and it does seem funny, but it's, it's something that we've kind of normalized in society, right? Um, That's right. And I laugh, I laugh not at you, I yeah. laugh at myself because we all do it, right? Absolutely. And, and I want to make it clear that this is still something that I work on probably every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not some easy switch that gets flipped and then it never happens again. I still work on it within myself. Um, and when I was 28, I had a significant health decline. And at first I thought it was just a routine complication to a routine procedure that I'd had. And um, through the process of meeting with different doctors, I was diagnosed with a rare genetic condition. And my health had declined so much at that point that I was told that I probably didn't have very long to live. And in the moment of being diagnosed, I had this moment of clarity where I realized that I had almost worked myself to death, that I had spent my life up until that point doing nothing but berating myself and trying to push myself harder and harder to do things that in that moment didn't matter very much. Um, and I realized that there must be a different way. And so that's what really started me on the path to look for what could be a different way of living my life and being successful and being happy and enjoying a lot of reward from the effort that I put in. And I started looking towards self-love and self-care. And it all started with the practice of mindfulness, just trying to be aware of what my thoughts were. Hmm. So how did you 
start that practice of mindfulness? In the hospital where I was diagnosed with the genetic condition, it's called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, they taught mindfulness meditation and I signed up for a course in mindfulness meditation and it really changed the way that I was looking at my world and by committing to do mindfulness practice each day, it slowed me down. And I think that that's one of the key components um, is just slowing down in order to be able to even notice when a negative thought or a negative process is happening. I know that from my own experience, I was just moving so fast in the way that I was pushing through life before that I never noticed that it was negative because I'd never took the time to see it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. And and so how did starting that mindfulness practice and and accepting that self-love and self awareness, self-esteem was, was really important to work on as opposed to just leaving it to happen by itself. How did that impact your life? How did that change your life from there? It completely changed my mindset. It took me from a place where I was catastrophizing around my health or my business or you know, my academic pursuits, you know, expecting the worst. That's what I call catastrophizing um, and trying to plan for the worst all the time. It took me to a place where I was either planning for things to be neutral or expecting the best. And one thing that happens when we start to expect the best of things or a positive outcome of things is we're actually more likely to see it. So it's not that the outcomes are necessarily that big of a difference, but it's the lens by which we're looking at the world through. And when all I could think of in my past was negative outcomes, then of course I saw them everywhere. But when I changed my perspective to something neutral or positive, I was much more likely to notice when the positive outcomes happened. Hmm. So it's... Uh the reticular activation system that picks up the things that we pay attention to. Uh, the classic example for me is the uh, if you buy a certain car. So I, I drive a silver Subaru. So when I first bought that silver Subaru, all of a sudden there were silver Subarus everywhere. And I thought, wow, everybody else has had the same idea, buying new silver Subarus. They were there before. It's just I didn't notice them. I didn't pay attention to them. Absolutely. And being able to notice positive outcomes, it really, really helps with motivation, particularly in business. Hmm. So, so many times business owners set goals and they may even achieve that goal. But if they're focused on being critical of themselves, even though they achieve that goal, they may only see the things that they could do better next time. And when we do that over and over, we lose motivation each time. It's kind of like chipping away a block of marble or something. And, but when we celebrate our achievements, then we actually build on to that beautiful piece of marble and it grows and grows and grows just like our motivation. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So as, as someone that probably 
always falls into this trap of seeing where are the opportunities for improvement and then um, taking that to an extreme of oh I should have done I should have known that I should have done that better um, so it instead of being um, okay there's an opportunity to improve and be better I always want to be better than the last time I did this however taking it to that extreme of focusing so much on oh I should have done that I should have known better I could have done it last time as opposed to all the things that I've done well how do you suggest somebody goes about that particularly well in their business but in their life as well because I think it this is something that is a behavior that impacts everything um, how do we change that or find a better balance there of uh, okay let's aim for improvement but let's celebrate what worked really well first well you just said it let's celebrate what worked really well first <laughs> so the key is to practice the pause and i do this myself so when i'm debriefing with my team after an event i've done or a class or a group program or something like that I have the rule that we each share what really worked well first. So it could be that all of the participants were super excited and engaged. It could be that we had a great turnout. It could be that the slideshow worked perfectly, whatever it is, right? It could be something small. Hey, we showed up, we did it, we were present, we said the words, mm. right? So celebrate the things that, that really worked well first, always and then go over what could be different for next time. And it's not about looking to the past because there's a reason why everything happens the way that it does. If we were all perfect all the time, doing exactly everything as we see could be perfectly done, there would be no learning moments. And then how would we ever be able to reach out and help someone else, right? If we can't learn ourselves, we can't teach. So all of those little moments when we're looking back and saying, okay, we could do this better or different for next time, that's a learning moment. And I guarantee you will learn, use that learning to help someone else. So when you're going through the process of deciding what could be better for next time, try to stay in that mindset. And then if it starts to go to the, oh, I should have done, realize, wow, this is a gift. This is an opportunity where I got to look back on something and analyze it in a way to see how it could be better so that when I'm working with somebody in the future, I can show them how to do this too, because I have this skill. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that take on it that, you know, not only is it a learning opportunity for you, but it's something that you can then help someone else with as well because you've learned that because you you're growing a new school yeah my business coach always says um you know if it's for example uh well she often brings this up in speaking so when we do a speech in the group that we work with and or you know sometimes that's a, a whole day's presentation in a workshop and she will say now you're only allowed to celebrate positive stuff for the next 24 hours nothing about what what could be better or what you know only only celebrate positive stuff so this went well that went well and so on 
Um, and then after 24 hours, then we'll sit down and say, okay, what can we do better next time? What can we add to this to make it even better? So you actually take the time to celebrate first. Absolutely. I love it. I love that your time to celebrate that is a whole day. And, and it can be as long as the person feels comfortable with. You know, it could be an hour mm. or it could be a week, you know, as long as you can retain the information um, after the week. Uh, so I think that that's really beautiful. Hmm. All right. So what? what um, how do you suggest um, our listeners can get started with this? I mean, a lot of them are on this journey already. Uh, some of them are, are further advanced. Others maybe at the beginning of the journey. How, how do you suggest, first of all, if somebody says, "Well, yeah, I'm really critical of myself, and I usually get in my own way," how? how can they get started? What are some of the steps to take? One of the first steps to take is just to start being more mindful of the thoughts that pass through their mind and the words that come out of their mouth um, about, especially about what they say about themselves in a neutral way. So not in a judgmental way, but just in a recognition that that's the thought that went by. So no judging, no saying, oh, I shouldn't have thought that, or why am I thinking that, or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Just, okay, these are the thoughts that are going by. Because once we identify something, it's just like any area of our business. Once we really focus on that area, then we can decide if there are changes to be made. But we can't really decide if changes need to be made or not until we've really looked at it. So I would, you know, invite your listeners to become curious about their thoughts and what they're saying. Hmm. And the second piece of advice that I would say is a good place to start is start looking at yourself in the mirror in the mornings. Start looking at yourself in the mirror and saying positive things to yourself, including words like, I love you. It's amazing. It will transform your life to just look yourself in the eyes each morning and say, I love you to you. Um, it can be really uncomfortable to start with that though. So maybe just start with <laughs> looking yourself in the eyes and then say things mm. like you're a rock star or you have beautiful eyes today or you're doing it. Whatever words feel comfortable, but looking yourself in the eyes and your brain hearing your words is far more powerful of a tool than almost anything you could buy or any program you could do self-love. Mm, interesting. Is, is it important to speak it out loud? Absolutely. Our brains really love our voice. And unfortunately, in our society, we've become very afraid to speak out loud, especially with ourselves, because there's some kind of stigma there or some kind of, I don't know, societal view about what that means. But our brains really love our voice. And so when we speak positive words to ourselves that we hear in our own voice and we're looking at ourselves, I mean, that's one of the most powerful things that you could ever do. Hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, we, we have, as a society, deemed the idea of talking to yourself as one of the signs of um, insanity, mm -hmm. right? And yet... Inside our head, we're talking to ourselves all the time. Everybody is. Absolutely. One of the things that I've recommended to clients in the past, too, that 
they have said has been extremely helpful is recording themselves saying positive affirmations and then listening to it. Hmm. Yeah, that that's a great tool. I've used that from time to time. The um, I like the you know you said um, I'm curious about. So if if we're having some thought that comes across our head, and the the idea of being really self aware and taking a position of not beating ourselves up, you know, if there's a thought that comes across, oh, I just should have done this better, um, instead of beating ourselves up for not having done that better, being really curious, I wonder why I thought that. Um, do you find um, journaling helpful to kind of find that separation between um, I'm now a third-party observer, really, of that thought, and so I'm curious, I wonder why I thought that. Absolutely. Uh, journaling can help. Also, um, envisioning that the thought is from another person, like a friend or, you know, a trusted friend or something like that. And thinking, well, how would I respond if my trusted friend said this to me or said that they were thinking this? That can help with a level of separation, too. There's a lot of science that supports being curious about our thoughts and being mindful about the way that we speak to ourselves. So Dr. Elizabeth Blackburn, who has a, a Nobel Prize, did research on ourselves and how they are listening to us. They're listening to our thoughts. They're listening to the words that we say out loud. And when we speak positively about ourselves, it actually supports our ability to live a long life and to withstand um, diseases. And if we speak negatively to ourselves, her research so showed that the, the cells actually wear down the telomeres, the ends of our DNA. And those areas are critical for long life and for resilience against disease. And so being curious about our thoughts, it can literally save our lives over time. Hmm. It's, it's fascinating to me, and you brought up a point there talking about that research of the biochemical reactions that actually happen at a cellular level and you know changes to our cells, our DNA structure, which ultimately is responsible for aging and you know, where we all end up uh, when our life is over. The fascinating thing to me is you know that people talk about some of this neuroscience and the psychology um as woo-woo and i say well you know there there is woo-woo and there's woo-woo right so the the areas that we can work on in terms of mindset and psychology on ourselves the self-awareness some of the things you've talked about actually do impact on the chemistry and the biochemistry of what's going on in the body, which determines our health, well-being, physical, mental, and emotional. Absolutely. Uh, in, there's been a lot of, of research done that shows that we have over 6,000 thoughts in a day. And in the research that's been done, 80% of those thoughts and most people are negative. Um, if 
they do biochemical research on a cellular level on somebody that does have a high propensity for negative thoughts, you know, over 90% or something like that. The biochemistry of their cell of their cells is very different than those uh, individuals who are thinking mostly positive thoughts. And it's because our cells actually have a stress response to our negative thoughts on a biochemical level. And this is all can be measured. Um, and there's extensive research on it. I, and that's what I love about this day and age and the innovation that science has undergone over the last uh, few decades is that we can actually measure these things now in our bodies. It's not woo woo anymore. It's hard science. Numbers come out of a machine to tell us what's going on. Um, and I expect that with further innovation in science, that things that are considered woo-woo are going to be less considered that way because of the hard science that's backing them up. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, there's, there's philosophies around that don't necessarily have that science to back them up. Um, but as you say, there's there's a whole lot of things we're discovering today with the advancements in science and the ability to measure things and delve into areas that we perhaps haven't had the technology to do in the past. So in terms of a business and and building a team, let's say, so so we've talked a lot about self and self-love. How do we translate that into a business, whether it's building a team or whether it's connecting with our clients and growing growing a client base and growing a business as a result? Absolutely. I think it starts with the practice of emotional intelligence. There has been um, a strong drive to incorporating emotional intelligence practices into businesses over the last five to 10 years. In fact, there are whole classes taught for executive um, corporate individuals or business owners that are all about growing emotional intelligence. Um, I think that this really helps. And I think that the key part of that with growing a team or connecting to clients is really empathy. So being able to see a situation from another's perspective, it's a, it's a key aspect of emotional intelligence, one of the five. But empathy really allows for a more vulnerable and authentic connection to the individuals that the leader is trying to interact with. Um, it allows for a level of trust and loyalty to develop that is important in team building. And I think that in the past, empathy has been um, almost disregarded in business for the most part. Uh, you know, back in the past. And, but empathy is really key, especially even with um, customers. Hmm. And you, you mentioned something there that I think is really important, and that's the word authentic, you know, having that authentic connection. So what, what's the key? Because again, you know, we've talked about some things that are perhaps counterintuitive um, here in terms of mindset and, um, being aware of our own thoughts and, and perhaps celebrating things that we have in the past beat ourselves up about that might be counterintuitive. I think another 
thing that is counterintuitive is where people strive really hard to, I want to build this empath empathetic connection with you and that, that's my aim and I'm going to put a structure in place how I do that. And that almost is a barrier to actually building the empathetic connection because it's not authentic. So how do we kind of, what do you have as tips for perhaps counterintuitive ways of actually achieving that authentic connection? Absolutely. So one way is to just pretend that you are that person. And what I mean by that is if you have an email to write to a client or a team member that maybe doesn't have the best information on it, um, write it out, pause for a period of time, whether that's hours or a day or something like that, and then try to come back and read it as though you're the receiver of that email. And how does it land? You know, how does it land on you if you were to receive that email? And that will give you a really clear indication of how you might want to change it in order for it to land more positively for that person, even if it is not so great news. Um, another way to is to ask for feedback. So I think that, um, and this is not about trying to anticipate necessarily what your team is going to think, but it's about once uh, something has passed, whether it's a big change in a business or it's a new undertaking of a project, once that's passed, always have a place to ask for feedback because your team or your clients will give you the information that you need in order to make changes so that there can be a better outcome in the future, even if there was a spectacular outcome. So feedback is really key and it really clues you in to the, how the people on your team are thinking or feeling about the experience that they're having in a change or in a project. And those types of things don't take a lot of mental process on the part of the person in the in the front in the forward sense because you're just kind of putting it out there and waiting to see what you receive and then you have the opportunity to process it over however long that you want to so it kind of takes the stress out of needing to know how to be empathetic in that moment because you can receive the information and then process it and then act in an empathetic way going forward mm. Yeah, that's great advice. The The idea of asking for feedback is always really good and, and it's important to create kind of a safe environment or a safe space for people to provide that feedback. Part of that, um, you know, I think part of that authenticity is asking for the feedback but also being really clear that I don't know all the answers and I'm okay with not knowing all the answers and I'm okay with sharing that with you, which kind of gives you permission to say, well, I don't know all the answers either. <laughs> Almost takes some pressure off the other person, doesn't it? And it, I think that sort of builds that connection and builds that safe space for then providing feedback. Um, if I say, I don't know all the answers to this, then you might say, well, I've, I've got some experience in that area and here's some ideas. Absolutely. I love that. You know, I think that CEOs or high level executives um, historically have been trained to pretend to be gods um, and know everything. And it's just not possible. It's not possible for any one of us to know everything about everything, especially with how fast things are innovating. Um, we there's always a cutting edge and there's always a learning edge for everything. 
And so being able to say, hey, I don't understand this, or I don't know what to say, or I'm not sure how to give you this information, but here it is. Just being really honest about where we are in the process. I think that there's a fear of being seen as weak, but it's actually far more strong and brave to be honest about our, our, about the ways that we have room to grow and learn than to pretend that we don't. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point that it is um, far braver and far stronger uh, to be comfortable in making that admission and also to accept that this is an opportunity to grow. The other thing that occurred to me there, you talked earlier about self-love and and some steps we can take to ease the burden or pressures that we place on ourselves by not practicing self-love as much as perhaps we could. And I think giving ourselves the permission to not have to know everything, not have to be this all-knowing CEO of my business uh, takes a lot of that pressure off as well. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that I really love about how businesses are represented now more so is that a lot of CEOs or business owners are talking about the teams that they work with or the support that they have in order to run their business as well as they do. Um, I know that you have a team that you work with. I have a team that I work with. And I wouldn't be able to do nearly as many as the things um, if I didn't have that team. And talking about that team is really powerful because it shows um, other CEOs and business owners that having support and acknowledging that support is, is okay. And it's not only okay, it's something to really celebrate when we're able to build a really well-rounded, secure, excited team that's powerful. Hmm. That's a very powerful part of business. And it's a skill that takes some time. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. The, um, it occurred to me, as you were saying that, because um, one of the things that I often do, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm elevating my team member because they've, so somebody says, hey, the, this has been really fabulous. And I will say, well, that was my team member. I didn't do any of that. I've got this team member that's really great at that. She does a wonderful job. Um, she's put this together. And so I'll pass on your feedback to her, make sure that she knows that, you know, this this was really appreciated. And in some ways, that's almost a little devaluing on on self again, isn't it? Because we kind of we kind of deflect the praise. And yes, that's correct. It was the other person that that really did what my conversation partner is giving me great feedback on. Uh, but as you say, it's I was the one that trained them. I was the one that brought them into the company and hired them. I'm the one that nurtures them and makes sure they're happy and they have an environment that they can achieve whatever they're achieving. Absolutely. And I think that that's really common and it's more common than even even that example. So one really common example is when somebody says, oh, you have a, a beautiful blue sweater on today. And it's so common mm. to say, oh, well, you know, they were selling them at Target or 
I got this at a thrift store or my friend gave it to me instead of just saying, thank you. You know, that practice of just saying thank you uh, is almost foreign to us. And when we are able to just say thank you, there's a sense of well-being that really comes through us that we don't feel when we, you know, move the praise away like you were talking about. And so I would invite the listeners the next time that you receive a compliment, try not to explain it away in any way, any compliment, but just say thank you. Mm. And if it is information that's really supportive of the team that you have, share that information with your team and invite your team to be able to say thank you too. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's second. I was going to add that second part, but you did it for me. So thanks. I think, um, you know, there's, there's the two things. So thank you on behalf of the team and receive the um, feedback. And I like, you know, don't explain it away and then pass pass on that feedback. So if if my sweater, if uh, my friend had gifted me this sweater and you've said, hey, that looks great on you, I, I can say, well, thank you. That's very kind of you to say that. And I next time I see my friend, I'll say, hey, I've had lots of great compliments about this sweater that um, you've you gifted me. I really love wearing it and people say it looks great on me. Absolutely. It's a way of, instead of ex moving the praise away, it's a way of mm. almost giving the praise longevity in life, right? Mm. By us accepting it and saying thank you, then we're able to pass it on down the line. And by them being able to accept it and say thank you, they're able to pass it on down the line too, because maybe your friend would go back to the store that they purchased mm. it at. Maybe it's a small business owner who handcrafts sweaters and be mm. able to say to them, I gave my friend this beautiful sweater from your store and they love it and they get compliments on it every day. Thank mm. you so much. Yeah, yeah, great, great example of extending that beyond. So yes, those compliments can live, live on. And I think you talked earlier about strengthening those muscles, you know, strengthening those neural pathways uh, that's a really great example of, you know, just little acts of kindness or gratitude or accepting gratitude or compliments from others that um, will make that easier in time. It'll just become second nature. Absolutely. And I think that that harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about celebrating what's really worked before we look at ways that we think that we could make it better. Um, whenever we are looking to make a change, it's far more powerful to start for gratitude, start with gratitude for how the situation is currently. When we start with gratitude, it really opens us up to be making that positive change from a place of wholeheartedness and positivity instead of trying to make the change from shame or blame or negative motivation. Hmm. Yes, that's right. It's a positive motivation which draws us towards things and, and in particular towards what are the learning opportunities. I love it. 
All right. Well, this is fabulous, Alice. Um, we could go delving into this some more, but I'm just aware of, of the time and want to be respectful of your time. So I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And it's the same five questions I ask of every guest. The idea is that you'll provide some tips and inspire our listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. So are you ready? Absolutely. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. The, what do you think the number one thing is people need to do to be more innovative? The number one thing is to spend more time in quiet. Our brains need a break mm -hmm. just like our bodies. So just like you would go to the gym and work out and then you would have a rest day, we use our brains all the time. And when we're in front of screens or listening to things or reading, we are using those brain muscles, if you will. And so when we take time to sit in quiet, it really allows our brain to rejuvenate and those innovations are just much more likely to come to us. Mm, yeah, I love that. I, I find it really difficult to just sit down and quieten the brain. There's always thoughts going through my mind, so I actually need to do something with that. Um, but I find um, for me, it's either going out on a bike ride or going out with my cameras into nature and just focusing on the photography. So the focus shifts to something completely different and that shuts off all those other um, thoughts that are going on in terms of what's happening day to day in the business and it allows things to bubble up from the unconscious stuff that's being repressed in, in the normal day to day operation. Absolutely. My favorite way to be in quiet is to float in water. I think that it's amazing. And technically, I am still doing something, but floating in water mm. just brings my brain to a relaxed place that nothing else does. Mm, great. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm not a real good swimmer or floater in water. I'd probably be <laughs> worried that I'll sink and swallow water. <laughs> anyway, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Having a good sounding board. So just like we were talking about having a great team, I, I really do believe that there is power in speaking ideas into voice, into, you know, real sound. And so having a good sounding board, I have a couple of trusted friends that are actually not part of my business team at all that I uh, speak mm. my ideas to and put out into the world. And it's not as, it's not so much about having advice or perspective back from them. It's more about putting it out into reality outside of my own head. And so having a good sounding board, I think is really critical. And because we, we don't create ideas necessarily in a vacuum. Um, I think that it is, um, it is important to voice them out into the world, whether that's just to one person or to yourself in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's interesting. I think voicing them out loud is a really good way to actually learn to articulate them and, and bring them together. Because often I, I kind of wake up and I've had some thought as I'm waking up or I'm on the bike and I've had some idea and then the moment I try to articulate, all of a sudden it's not such a good idea. So I'm already in, in judgment mode. So learning to actually articulate it. And if you have somebody else that you 
tell it to, often that, that helps because they'll say, oh, what do you mean? Or how would that work? Or so they, they get you to elaborate a little bit more and then, then the whole thing starts to develop a bit of um, legs maybe in terms of an idea. Absolutely. Hmm. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? My favorite resource, and I recommend this to everyone I work with, is scheduling. So I schedule everything. Um, and this can be on the free calendar that came on your phone, or it could be a paper calendar. But I schedule everything, everything from my morning self-care to times that I have allotted just for fun. And I make sure that I have something to look forward to on my calendar every single week. Um, it's something that really helps me maintain motivation. And my clients have also said that it helps them maintain motivation too. Being able to see that coming up on my calendar gets me excited to get there and to go through the days that maybe seem kind of humdrum um, or normal in between. So I really do believe that scheduling is like a superpower that can really unlock mm. things in business um, in a way that other things can't. Mm, that's interesting. I, I do that to a certain extent, but I don't schedule everything. So I'll have to explore that a little bit. Um, I, I discovered the scheduling when we first in, in my corporate role um, moved to having shared calendars and the IT department at the time had set them up that anybody could schedule time on your calendar, which to me seemed weird. And they insisted that this was the way it had to be. So all of a sudden, from one day to the next, I had all these meetings scheduled on my calendar that I hadn't agreed to. And I, I realized that, hey, I'm going to struggle to do any work here because people are just going to schedule meetings with me all the time. So I, um, because the IT people said, no, this was the way it had to be, you couldn't turn it off or change it so that you had to accept meetings or whatever. So I thought, well, I can circumvent this by just scheduling time with myself. So I started scheduling all the work that I wanted to do into my calendar and that stopped people scheduling, filling my calendar with meetings. <laughs> and, you know, they had to then call me and say, hey, your calendar's full, when can we meet? Which was actually the way I thought was more sensible. Absolutely. So yeah, I'll have to explore the idea of um, scheduling fun things. and Yeah, it's it really changes looking at a calendar when there are fun things on there too. And one of the other pieces of advice that I routinely give around scheduling is schedule two deadlines. Schedule kind of a fake deadline, um, like a week before something's due, and then an actual deadline. Because as business owners, I think that it's very common to think that we can do everything in a much shorter amount of time than we actually can. Yeah. And so if we schedule mm. extra deadlines, um, the policy that I've always had is that that second deadline, if I've already gotten the thing done, then that opens up for fun time. So I might even put in a suggestion of what I might do for fun in that second deadline if it is open. And then that gives me mm. some motivation to get the thing done at the first deadline. Mm. That's a great tip. Yeah, I love it. All right. Now, um, and maybe this is part of the answer to the next question as well. What's the best way to keep a client on track? 
I really believe clear communication and of course scheduling is part of that, but um, really clear communication and setting up expectations around communication from the very beginning. So it's really easy, especially when somebody is starting a new business and they have their first customers to spend an excessive amount of time with those customers because it's exciting to have new customers. And most business owners are still kind of trying to figure out what they're doing and how to do it and all that sort of thing. Well, if you're not really clear around time expectations and really holding yourself, not only the client, but yourself to those time expectations, you might get a year in with this client. And now they're expecting those hours of time that you spent with them in the beginning, which is not really a clear expectation or a reasonable expectation for what the service or product that you're providing would demand. So have really clear boundaries around communication and, and have clear communication with your clients. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you said, you know, set up those expectations and boundaries at the beginning so everybody's clear this is, um, this is how we'll work. Excellent. Now, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I would say focusing on what's really true for you. So authenticity and vulnerability is going to differentiate you from anyone else right off the bat. So if you are representing your true self, that is going to be individualistic, no matter what that looks like. So that could be in the way that you design your logo. It could be your onboarding system with your client. It could be the fact that you give a gift when you have a new client come on. It could be the way that you do your social media. There's a lot of ways to show individuality and show your true authentic expression. I think the biggest or one of the common mistakes that business owners make is they see another business owner doing something and they really love it and they think it's awesome. And then they try to emulate that. And even if they're successful at emulating it, it's never going to be as successful as if they were their true self. So just be yourself. Hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. And I, I think, you know, I can relate to your example where, um, People. I mean, the classic example is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he gets on stage. He's got a certain style about him. He does videos, um, and people say, "Hey, this guy is really successful." So I think I'll be like him. But you know, that personality is so unique um, that you know, unless unless that's your personality, you cannot pull that off. Just amazing that, and there are quite a few people that try to pull off a Gary Vaynerchuk clone and it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it works for Gary. Yes. Hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Alice. This has been absolutely fabulous. Where can people find out more about you, about the work you do, about solutions for success or by solutions by Alice, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you shared today? Absolutely. I have a website, solutions.com, which is S-O-U-L-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. And it's a great place to reach out. It's also a great place to see what I'm up to. 
I regularly speak at uh, different conferences and events, and I offer um, information on there about the group coaching and the one-to-one -one coaching that I offer as well. Great. And we'll include links to those places in the show notes so people can click straight through. Um, now, you are, I think you're launching a group co coaching program, building your business with soul soon, aren't you? I am. I'm going to be launching that at the end of this year. It's a one-year program, and it's completely focused on really practicing self-love as a means to find success in business. Um, and later in September, I'm launching a program called You Are the Love of Your Life for Female Entrepreneurs. And it's a completely virtual program that people from all over the world could join. And it's only seven weeks. So that one mm. might feel like a really good introduction to the self-love practice. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, and they'll be available on your website. Absolutely. It's all available right. on the website. Okay. Well, go check that out. If something that Alice has said today resonated with you and you think you'd like to learn more, check those out. Alice, do you have any parting advice for our listener today as we wrap up? My parting advice would be to be gentle with yourself. <laughs> you, you know, we all came into this world, I believe, knowing unconditional self-love. And so it's not something that you have to learn from scratch. It's already within you. And you just have to start trying. Just start small and be gentle mm. with yourself. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea, you know, you came into the world having having this in abundance and at some point we have it trained out of us or we train ourselves out of it um, so it's a bit like bike riding you never never forget how to do it absolutely get back on the bike all right well finally who else should i get on this show alice and why i would love for you to have lynn howard on this show Lynn Howard is a phenomenal business coach and inspirational speaker. She um, has, she's a world traveler and she's amazing. She's somebody that I have seen speak and worked with in different capacities. And I just can't recommend her enough, or I would say I re highly recommend her. She's just a really fabulous person and, and, Everything she says is a golden nugget. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds fascinating. So we'll we'll get an introduction to Lynn from you and reach out to her to find a time where we can chat with her on in the Innova Buzz podcast. Perfect. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us so generously today, Alice. I hope um, people take a lot of information away and a lot of um, ideas for implementing more self-love and and bringing more self-awareness self-esteem into their lives as a result all the best for the future and let's stay in touch thank you i look forward to it i hope you enjoyed that really engaging and thought-provoking conversation with Alice and took something away from her episode. I'm fascinated by Alice's idea of speaking out our thoughts as a way to reinforce the neural pathways of self-love, self-awareness and self-esteem. 
I'd love to know what you took away from Arliss's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Arliss Dudley Cash. That is A-R-L-I-S-S-D-U-D-L-E-Y-C-A-S-H. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Arliss Dudley Cash. If you like this episode, please do share it with two other people that it might help, or even more other people that it might help, the more the merrier. Tag me in on that share, and I will reach out to you with a special thank you. Arliss suggested that we have a conversation with author, speaker, coach, and digital nomad, Lynn Howard, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So, Lynn, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast courtesy of Arliss Dudley Cash. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast. We've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including author of Magnetic Stories, Gabrielle Dolan, and sales expert, Oscar Chavez. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.